0: Well, I don't know about you, but I'll be glad when Tuesday's over. That way, when I log on to the Internet and look at some article, I don't have to see a commercial about a political person. don't have to turn on the TV and see any of that. That would be great. Who knows what will happen after the election, but I'll be happy about it myself. you have your Bible, turn to Matthew, the 18th chapter. Matthew, the 18th chapter. And we'll be reading a few verses there in a few moments. Have you ever gone to visit someone and you knew exactly what they were going to talk about before you got there? And it's not because you had an appointment to go talk about a particular subject, but it's just that you know that individual and they're always going to talk about the same thing. They used to visit someone who always would go over every single surgery that they ever had, every sickness that they ever had. They could give you dates, they could give you times, and it was the same every time you went to visit. There are people that sometimes have had bad things happen in their lives. And that's what they rehearse in their hearts. That's what they rehearse when you go and visit with them, or they're in a conversation in some place with you. It always seems to come up that this is what took place and this is how bad it was. I know that happens sometimes when there's problems in a congregation, where there's Problems that people have with each other, and sometimes even years later, they're still rehearsing those things in their mind and sharing that information over and over and over again. The one who can't seem to get past the issue has some hang-up or there's some roadblock in their past. It's as if they are chained to something that took place years ago. And they can't let go. Today I want to talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness, I think, is an important subject. I mentioned earlier that when I first started preaching, I looked for sermons on the internet and in different places about forgiveness, and they were kind of hard to find. And it seemed odd to me that there wouldn't be sermons out there about forgiveness because that's what we're really supposed to be all about. That's what God is. He's a forgiving God, and we're thankful for that. And so I think that it's important for us to realize that forgiveness and letting go is something that we need to do. Because forgiveness exists on two main levels. Forgiveness from God to us, and then our forgiveness for each other, or directed toward each other. And most of us are thrilled with the first our relationship with God, that He forgives our sin. But we have trouble with the second. We're glad that the Lord forgives us of our failures and our sinful ways, but we sometimes struggle when we know that we need to forgive someone else. But then again, maybe our trouble is not when we know that we need to forgive. It's when we think that we don't have to forgive. There are things that happen in our lives where we need to forgive someone, but there are ways that we sometimes try to justify it in our minds and say that I don't need to forgive that individual. And I believe that this is one of those sermons that we all wish someone else would hear. Someone else should have been here today. Someone else should hear this sermon. It's someone else's problem, not yours. It's someone else that's bitter. Someone else has a problem but not you, you're okay. You're allowed to be bitter. You're allowed to let it fester and stew in your mind. You're allowed to hold a grudge because of what happened to you. And if I knew what happened to you, you wouldn't expect me to think that you should forgive someone either. Well, it's true that I don't know what happened to you. You don't know what's happened to me. But our Lord does know. And I know what He says about forgiveness. We've talked about on Sunday evening a couple of weeks ago, oh, why not tonight, when we looked at that song, an invitation mostly directed to those who are not members of the church, those who have never been buried with our Lord in baptism. Then last Sunday, we talked about public confession, about when it's appropriate and what we, how we handle sin in our lives. And there are times that we take care of it with just us and God. There are other times that we made it involve other people. And then there's times that we may want to make it a total public confession so that others may know about it. Today's message is about forgiveness. It's from the preacher. Or it's not from the preacher, but it is from the Lord. And that's what I really want all of our sermons to be, all the lessons that I present. I want us to realize that they are from God's Word. Peter tells us that if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. So I'm not up here to voice my opinion. I'm up here to show us and to teach us what the Bible says about forgiveness. I mention forgiveness often because I think that it's a very important sermon or a subject. Unforgiveness is more subtle than a lot of other sins. It kind of creeps in. It's kind of sneaky. It's noble. It's innocently there. And you don't know that it's there until it really has a hold of you. It's more common than most sins. I believe that we all battle with that problem of forgiveness from time to time. Even though we may not struggle with the bigger sins, if you want to call them that, the sins of the flesh, the lack of forgiveness seems to affect many of us. And third, it's also more dangerous. There may not be car accidents because you're involved with some sin. may not be an overdose. But the sin of unforgiveness is dangerous because it will divide churches. It will divide families. It will divide marriages. And yes, it will even divide nations. Unforgiveness has been called the cancer of the soul. It eats at us. And many times we are unhappy when we are an unforgiving people. You see, when we are unforgiving, when that goes unchecked, it will destroy us. So as we look or turn to Matthew chapter 18, I want to begin reading in verse 21. And then came Peter to him and said, Lord, How else shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Until seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him that owed him ten thousand talents. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children, and all that he had and payment be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out, and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what thou owest. And his fellow servants fell down at his feet, and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not. But when he cast him into prison, till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him unto the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every man his brother their trespasses. Jesus is teaching us a lesson here. And I believe that in this parable that Jesus gives, it is what I mentioned earlier, that there's two levels of forgiveness. Our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. And Jesus also shows us what a lack of forgiveness will do to us. He compares unforgiveness to a prison. When we think about that first picture that I had of those birds flying away, when we've been free from our sin, is it is like being free and it's like being let loose out of a cage and in this simple story we find a man who owes a king a very large sum of money and he's about to be thrown into prison because he can't repay the debt and a man pleads for mercy and the king gives it to him and the debt is erased and a man goes free how that man ended up owing such a large sum of money I is beyond me I have no idea But it is very clear that it was a huge debt. It was something that would take forever. If he was ever able to pay it back, it would would be a difficult task. But it is like our own debt. Each of us accumulates a huge debt to God. We realize that God blesses all of us. He created this world for our enjoyment. He sends the sun and the rain, the harvest times, all the blessings that we have. He looks after us. He cares for us. He feeds us. He clothes us. And He protects us. Yet at some point, we all have wandered away from God. We all have been separated from sin. I'm sure that many of us grew up in the church and it doesn't seem like we may have wandered as far as others, but we've wandered nonetheless. And sin separated us from God and it is at some point we realize that we need to change and that we need to obey the gospel. We run up a, a big debt before our Maker and the prison that we deserve is hell. Every single one of us deserves that punishment. We deserve eternal punishment separated from God. Yet God tells us that He will forgive us of that debt if we will do what God says we need to do in order to have that debt forgiven. And then we need to live a life a faithful service to Him. A life of gratitude. A life of being thankful for what He's done for us. I think most of us, when we obeyed the Gospel, when we were buried with our Lord in baptism, we came up out of that water. We were kind of like the Ethiopian eunuch. The Scripture tells us that when he went down in that water and they came up, later it says that he went on his way rejoicing. It's kind of like being freed. Why? Because we realize the bondage uh, bondage of sin. We realize what it means to be under that yoke. But yet, God released us. And it is like having that cage open and we're free to to leave. And it's joyful. It brings joy into our heart. But God erases that debt and lets it go. And that's called grace and that's called mercy. Mercy. And it's also called forgiveness. What a beautiful word when you think about that. That God just wipes it out. He offers that to each one of us. But whether we accept it or not is up to us. And so we have this individual in the story that owed this huge debt. The king erases that debt and sets him free. It would be a great story if it ended right there. But you and I know that it doesn't. In Jesus' story, the man who had someone who owed him some money seems like a few dollars to us. And he immediately walks out from the king's palace and he grabs his fellow servant by the throat. <coughs> and demands payment. He didn't need that money to pay his debt that he owed the king. It was purely selfish reasons why he demanded the money be paid back. He had his fellow servant bound where he had to pay the debt. king heard about that they brought the man back into his courts. You can read what the king said to him. But then the king threw him into prison. And in that prison, the man was to face torture. Unforgiveness is a self-inflicted prison. It is like a ball and chain of our own making. It is self-induced torture. Many times when we hang on to something for years, days, months, years, and refuse to let go of it, we rehearse it in our mind, many times it makes us miserable people. You think of people that are like that, maybe in your own life. Think about how happy you are or unhappy you are because you can't let go. It is like that ball and chain. And no matter what someone did to you first, forgiveness or unforgiveness, is your choice. If it weren't a choice, will we be told so many times that we need to do it? If we had no say in the matter, would a loving God tell us to forgive? And if it was impossible to forgive, would we be told to do it? You see, it is something that God expects you and I to do. He expects every single one of us to be a forgiving people. Why? Because we're like that man that owed that huge debt and it's been forgiven. And God expects us to forgive others that sin against us. Listen to what the Bible says. Colossians chapter three and verse thirteen. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. We expected God to forgive us, he has forgiven us, but now he expects us to forgive one another. In Ephesians chapter four, verse thirty-two. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Again, God's forgiven us. He expects us to forgive each other. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 4 And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive every one that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we can see that there are various passages of the Scripture that teach us that we need to be a forgiving people, that we need to let go of, of something that's happened to us, leave it in God's hands. But how many of us are willing to do that? We find all those passages of Scripture, but listen to what Jesus says, because Jesus makes it even plainer. Jesus makes a very pointed statement and wants us to understand that forgiveness, our forgiveness, is tied to our willingness to forgive someone else. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Is Jesus telling us that forgiveness, forgiving each other, forgiving people, forgiving people that have done things to us, is that an important situation? Is that an important topic? How does that relate to our relationship with God? That if we're unwilling to forgive, if we're unwilling to let go, then God's going to be unwilling to forgive, and God's going to be unwilling to let go. Mark chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. "...but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses." Again, a very plain statement. If we're unwilling to forgive, God's going to be unwilling to forgive. And I believe all of this ties back into the final verse of our Scripture that we read there in Matthew chapter 18, and verse 35, where it says, "...so likewise shall your heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses." Jesus very plainly says it has to be sincere. It has to be from the heart. It isn't just a emotion that you go through. It isn't something you say, well, I forgive you, but you're going to have to do this and this and this. Or i got all these strings attached to it. Or I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to see how you act. Because you see, ever how we forgive is the way that God is going to forgive us. In Luke chapter 6, Verses 37 and 38, Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Verse 38 goes on to say, Given it shall be given unto you, good measure pressed down and shaken, together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye met, wherewithal it shall be measured to you again. In other words, how you forgive others is how you're going to be forgiven by God. Do you like that thought? You know, when God, when I ask God to forgive me, I want it wiped out. I want it washed away by the blood of Christ. I don't want Him to be able to bring it back on me. I want it taken care of. And so it's important that I forgive people of the things that they may do that are wrong to me. Jesus seems to imply that the extent of our forgiving others is how much God will forgive us based on that verse. And that's a very scary thought. It sure looks like if God considers our forgiveness of others as important, that He considers it as as important as His forgiveness to us. Someone once told John Wesley, "I never forget or I never forgive and I never forget." To which John Wesley replied, "Then sir, I hope that you never sin. You see, if we're unwilling to forgive and forget, then God's going to be unwilling to forgive and forget us, our sin. You see, forgiveness of others is tied to our forgiveness from God. Why are we to forgive? Why is it important? Well, for one, we want to be like our Heavenly Father. When we were younger, we would look at our parents and say, I don't want to be like my dad. I don't want to be like my mom. And then as we grow older, we walk by that mirror and sometimes you look take a double take. Is that Dad? Or you say something and it sounds like something that your dad would say or your mother would say and you look in the mirror and you realize that they had such an impact on your life that you have become them. Now, I know I'm not the only one that acts or thinks that way because we've all had that. Wouldn't it be so great? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we were so associated with God that when we walk by the mirror we could see Christ living in us? That we said the things that He would say and that we did the things that He would do? We want to be like our Heavenly Father, don't we? I think it's also important because it helps us to understand all that we have been forgiven of. And I think that we have the Apostle Paul as an example of that when he talks about what he had done, the, the, the wicked, sinful life that he had lived before he became a Christian. And he makes a statement that he's the chief of sinners. And I don't believe that Paul is saying that I'm still the chief of sinners and I do all this terrible stuff. I'm a wicked and evil person, but I talk all the good talk. I think that he looked back and he realized what he had done to the church, to Christ. How he had hurt his Father in Heaven. And he realized what he had been and what it took for his forgiveness. The blood of Christ. And he appreciated that. And you see him actively trying to help others to see that they need that same salvation. And brethren, we remember our sins. And I think that it's good to remember where we came from, what we used to be before we became a Christian. And it's not because we want to go back and do those things, live that life. We look at that life and we're ashamed of what we've done. We're disappointed in how we live. And we realize that we wanted to change and that's what we're striving for every day that we live. But we look back at those things and we realize, that's where I was at. This is where God has placed me. I'm free from that life. I'm free from the guilt. I'm free from the bondage. I don't need to dwell on that. I've been let free. And then the third reason is because it's better for our soul. You think about that person, which may be you, that has bitterness and malice and anger all stored up because of something that's happened. Instead of letting go, do they seem happy? Are they happy? They're miserable. You see, God wants us to be happy people. I don't believe that God commands us, or the commands that God gives us, are there to spoil our fun. But they're there because it's good for us. And it's like telling your kids to eat broccoli. Or other vegetables. They may not want to. But you encourage them to do that. Why? Because you know that it's good for their body, their mind, their sleep, their appearance, their bones, their hearts. All of those things. God's commands are like that also. They're there. Because following them is better for our spirit than not following them. Has God's word hurt you in any way? It hurts us when we're not lined up with His life, with what He wants our life to be. And sometimes that's why we're miserable because this is one of the subjects that we need to deal with: letting go, leave it to God, let Him take care of it. When you take care of this world, world's not applying, that individual still has to take care of it with God. But why is it important that we forgive? Because one, forgiveness brings freedom. You're still there in Matthew chapter 18. Look at verse 27. It says, And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. I don't know if you've ever had a mortgage payment or a car payment, but when you make that last payment, there is something that feels good about it. There's a, uh, uh, I don't know, pressure whatever whatever that's there that is gone. You no longer have to meet that payment every month and you feel relieved. You feel happy. It is almost like a bird going out of a cage. You've been freed from that, from that debt. And that's what it is here. This individual had this huge debt from sin and he was freed. And that's what God has done for us. The Master let him go. Being forgiven gives us freedom. It means that we're not slaves to work ourselves debt free before God. He just gives it to us because we have done what He's wanted us to do in taking care of that sin. And before the Master freed him from the debt, look at his condition. He was terrified, he was miserable, he was upset. And that's the way people are today. When we don't take care of it the right way, we're miserable, we're terrified, we're upset. Oh, we may deceive ourselves into thinking that it all is well, but guess what? It's still there. And it still has an impact on our lives when we fail to forgive like we're supposed to. That individual was going to spend his whole life trying to repay his debt and he would never been, have been able to do so but forgiveness of the debt set him free it sets us free it sets us free to love to be thankful to appreciate what god has done for us but what does unforgiveness do to someone it puts you in a prison Unforgiveness of others results in not feeling forgiven by God, Brethren. If you don't feel forgiven, if you don't feel that God could forgive or has forgiven you, maybe you need to look at your life and do some forgiving as well. Because I really believe that that has part is part of the problem. We have such a problem forgiving each other that it's hard for us to comprehend how God can just forgive us and remove our sin as far as the east is from the west and blot it out and remember against us no more? That's hard for us to comprehend. Why? Because sometimes we have trouble removing somebody's sin or their trespass as far as the east is from the west. Forgiveness also brings closure. Again, from the story that we read, the servant was able to walk away from the debt. Would he forget it? Likely not. Just like Paul didn't uh, forget the life that he lived before, just like you and I, we don't forget what we've done before in the past that's been forgiven, we still remember it. And it's not like we're going to forget what someone has done to us that we have forgiven. We seem to think that if we have forgiven, then we will forget And that's just not true. Because God has blessed us with a mind that is able to remember. We remember good times. We remember family members. We remember all kinds of things that are good and uplifting and encouraging. And sometimes that mind also can remember those things that aren't so good. Things that have happened to us that are just awful. Our mind still remembers those. That's part of being a human. And forgetting is not a substitute for forgiveness. In fact, on the road to forgiveness, we may have to remember all the horrible things that have happened to us, but forgiveness closes the door on them. It says, I will not allow that baggage, that emotional baggage, to keep me down. I'm going to move on. I'm going to do better. And yes, I may remember those things, it's like I said in other lessons, that somebody punches you in the nose and it breaks your nose, they may come and ask for forgiveness. You may forgive them. You may not hold any animosity to them, but your nose still hurts. You may have trouble breathing through that nose for the rest of your life. But every time you think about it, you make another payment on forgiveness. You forgive them all over again instead of like rehashing it and telling everybody about it, you are in control. You can walk away from it. But is it easy? No. But is it possible? Yes, it is. Ask God to help you if you struggle with that. And He will help you. We already have all that we need from His Word to help us in that area. But ask for the courage to forgive. Ask for the freedom that comes. And ask God to help you to move on. Remember what God has done to you. That He's forgiven you. Be willing to forgive other people. You see, forgiveness brings life. Life. I want you to think about that for a moment. Forgiveness brings life. Why do I say that? Well, there's a couple of pa- passages of scripture that I would like for us to look at, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13. I'm going to read it from the King James version, but then I also have it in the King James or New King James version. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 in the King James Version says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. And you, And then in the New King James it says, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you of all trespasses. Think about what he's saying there. You're dead in your trespasses. When you're in that sinful condition, you are dead in your trespasses. Before you became a Christian, you were dead in your trespasses. When you are a Christian, if you're unforgiving, you're dead in those trespasses. But notice what it says. That we are made alive. God makes us alive. Now, how does He do that? Having forgiven you all trespasses. Forgiveness is tied to being alive in Christ. If we are unwilling to forgive, we're still dead in our trespasses. If we're unwilling to become a Christian, we're dead in our trespass. And the only way that we can be made alive is to have our sins forgiven. And that's what Paul is telling us there. see, we find life when we are forgiven. When we let go. We have that joy. We have that hope. We have that peace. We have that strength. All of those things we have available to us. That's why the Ethiopian eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Why? Because he had been forgiven of his sin. He was dead in his trespasses and he was made alive by God. Why? Because his sins were forgiven when he went down in that water. He came in contact with the blood of Christ and he rose up to walk that new life. We give life to someone when we forgive them. We give life to ourselves and to our victims when we forgive them. Letting someone off the hook does not let them off the hook with God, but it frees you. In closing, I heard this thought a long time ago. Holding on to offenses against someone is like being a jailer. While the offending party is in jail, you're keeping them there good and they're not going to get away. It's like maximum security. You alone have the key to let them out, but you just won't do it because of what they did to you. The problem is, since you're the jailer, you're stuck there too. Oh, the person might be behind bars. But you can't go anywhere either. And the only way to set yourself free is by letting them go. You have the key. If you're holding grudges against people, if you have problems with people, you need to turn that key. Take care of that problem. And let go. Will you let someone go free today? Jesus died on the cross so that you could be free from your sin. And if you're not a Christian, he tells us what we need to do in order to be saved. He says that we need to believe and be baptized, turn away from our sin, confess his name before men, and then be buried with our Lord in baptism. You can do that this morning. Maybe you are a Christian and you're not forgiving like you should. Don't get upset with me. This is what the Bible says. And if we're unwilling to forgive and let go, then God's going to be unwilling to forgive and let go. I don't want to stand in the judgment in that condition. I don't want to tie any strings to forgiveness because God can tie those strings together too. And just as easily as He had mercy on that individual, you can see His wrath when He put all that back on and put that individual in prison. Don't allow an unforgiving spirit to determine your destiny. Be what God wants you to be. If you need to respond to the invitation, you can come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sing.